What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Buds, Bros, and Superheroes. If it's your first time coming to hang out today, let me just run down the basics of what's going to go on so we can all be on the same page. The name Buds, Bros, and Superheroes kind of acts as a section holder for the conversations that we're going to be having today. So in the bud section, it's for travelers of the green, fans of the devil's lettuce, potheads, weed smokers, whatever you want to call it. We're going to be talking about it today. My guest is another certified PA medical marijuana patient and co-worker of mine in the bro section. As new co-workers, like we don't really know each other. So we're going to get to know each other just a little bit more. Talk about your life growing up, a little bit nerdy stuff that you liked, a little bit nerdy stuff that I liked because you know, I'm going to stay on brand a little bit because the superhero section might be another grabs guys that's right we're going for another one so like if you like one man and chronic the fictional superheroes this show's all about you as we deep dive into jay and silent bob reboot joining me today we're gonna welcome for the first time it's the first time in a long time it's been a while since we had a first time guest but that's breaking today as we welcome andrew to the show please sir say hello Hey, what's going on? Oh, dude, very excited doing? to have you. Thank you. Honestly, really, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Super psyched to be here. It's my first podcast. I'm excited. I've yeah. only known you for a few weeks. I'm like, do you want to come to my house and talk to me <laughs> on a microphone? And you're just like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, thanks, bro. So I really do mean it when I'm like, thanks for trusting me and thanks for coming over and hanging out. I was all about it. I like the podcast, listen to the episodes. It's cool, man. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much, man. Super duper appreciated. Happy to have everybody on the other side of the mic, too, listening in. That's going to start the show proper as we head into the bud section. Getting to know you a little bit more, Andrew, I want to talk about as you're going through the PA medical marijuana process and, you know, becoming a bud tender and just a little bit of traveling the green, sir. Tell me how you have traveled. Uh, so I'm pretty new to the program. Um, only got my card probably a week or two after starting at the job. I've only been there probably in time uh six months maybe probably a little less but uh i was definitely a street kind of guy for a while but it feels amazing to be able to get all the stuff that i need and all the stuff that i want and for stuff to actually have a name because a lot of the times when you get on the street it does not have a name so yeah it's been amazing or if it is a name, you're just like, come on, bro. Is it really that name? Yeah, right, right. Because there's sometimes you pick up and you're just like, hey, this kind of looks like last time, but you said this was something different. And yep. if you actually go and look on the internet, that's not what that looks like. Yep. There's a lot of trust involved. And, you know, I've just accepted a lot of things that I didn't like or that wasn't good for me. And now I can get stuff exactly what I need um, and what helps me. So it's been amazing. And working um, with you and with the other peeps at the dispensary it's been really sweet super duper great crew yeah everybody's so nice everybody's super sweet and for Um, the most part so are our patients they're really super nice and super sweet absolutely Uh, a lot of um, good people coming in there a lot of people that come every day that are super nice and it makes the job a lot easier for sure. Oh, that's definitely been my favorite part. So before this, I worked at a place where in a team, maybe there was about 12 of us, and we had to work with audio and visual, both in editing and in like watching sometimes. So you can't do that and conversate. Is that a word? Converse? That's right. a better one. So not only that, then we went to working from home. Mm-hmm. So for like, I don't know, a year and a half. I've just been sitting somewhere and now to have people all around me and stuff like it's kind of been a big change, but a really nice one because I'm just like, everybody here is so nice. Yeah, I was the same way. I worked from home, customer service for a while and working at home and not being around people is definitely like 
can definitely bring you down a little bit, but being around a lot of good people, especially everybody at the dispensary, I don't know, it feels good. It feels really good. I was going to say that as well, you know, as you kind of alluded to or talked about earlier in Fent that you're getting your medicine, you're getting what you need, and you know what you're getting and how mm-hmm. good that feels for you. How great does that feel, giving that to other people as well now? It feels it feels really good. Um, and for people to come in the next day and be like, oh, the strain that you got me was so good or um, let me get that again. And like that feels really good that um, somebody came in and they were looking for something specific, um, something to help them in a certain way. Um, and I found the right strain for them. It's very fulfilling um, and it feels amazing. Yeah. That happened with me today. We had something on sale and somebody asked about something else like, hey, what do you have in this? And I said, oh, why don't you try this sale item? And they kind of side eyed on me. And it's funny on this show, we actually talked about way, way back in the day of like some people at other places will quote unquote push the fish is what I called it. You know, if you've worked in the restaurant industry, like your bosses be like, push the fish. It's about to turn. You know, we need to get it out before we throw it out. Yeah. So sometimes I feel like we've got that around other places just like oh this guy said it was the bomb and then you open and you're like he did interesting yeah. okay and i think he kind of gave me that look mm-hmm. but then he came in today he's like that was actually really fire i was like i i thought it was for the price and like it felt exactly like you said yeah. like i helped a little bit and it right. felt good and it's totally fair to be honest with people um if something that you know is not going to be good for them or that you've tried that's not good that's fair to be like, maybe you should get something else. You know what I mean? Because you don't want to recommend it and you're going to see them again and they're going to, they're not going to trust your opinion. Um, and then you're, you know, you're building a relationship that you don't want. You know what I'm saying? Brilliant. Yeah. No, I really do. <laughs> I really like that perspective of building the trust and building it. Cause you're yeah. right. We do see certain people darn near close to every day where it's just like, yeah. Hey, blank, you know, how you doing this morning? And they're like, good blank. How are you? And I'm just like, Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks. You <laughs> exactly. Know, like that. Yeah. I like that kind of fulfillment now. I get that a little bit more every day. And as I build my confidence and just like when they're like, do you have this? I'm like, yes. Because that was the worst starting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the first couple of days working there, um, getting to know all the products, I mean, it was pretty overwhelming. You go in the back and there's this, this room um, full of like probably hundreds and hundreds of different products that at first, if you're not too familiar with all of them, it's kind of overwhelming. Um but after a couple of weeks, I felt like I knew just from like going through it. I mean, you're fulfilling orders, like you're going through it, you see different things. Um, people are picking up different things. And like now I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on the menu or like what we have in general, you know. I know that my biggest area that I'm going to try to get better in is concentrates. Because yeah. for myself, I'm a quote unquote flower guy. I like the flower the most. I have mm-hmm. a shit ton of flower in my house right now. I like sampling that, but concentrates i think what i want to do and maybe we can talk about it right here on the show you can recommend it because we were talking about it the other day of taking concentrates but not in a banger situation of having a device so not only will you actually drop some knowledge on me sir but hopefully anybody listening who's like i want to take concentrates but a banger you know the propane the torch looking shit you know that's a little too much i want to go for a device so please yeah i mean uh so i was kind of the same way um, getting into the program, um, I only really picked up flour. Um, I would get some cartridges that were good. Uh, but I wanted to get into concentrates not only to save money. I want to know about concentrates enough to be able to sell them you know, to my patients. I want to be able to um, tell them what's good, what I've tried. I want to enjoy the product as well. So when I first got into them, I picked up, it's called a Terp Pen. 
Um, I got the Turp Pen XL. It's kind of a pen that you can you can use it like kind of like an electric nectar collector. You can literally just dip it into your stash um, and take pulls through that. Um, you can also just take a glob and you know put it up to the coil at the end. You can also take the mouthpiece. It's a 14 millimeter um, end, so you can attach it if you had like like a water pipe. Instead of using a banger, you can actually do dabs through that. And it also has like a little container at the bottom that you can store your concentrates. And that's pretty sweet. Or you can just load it in and cold start it and save it for later and kind of take it on the go. Um, yeah, it's pretty sweet. I would recommend that um, if you're looking to kind of have like that dab experience without getting the banger and getting the torch and, you know, that can be a little intimidating. It can also be, you know, we've said it on the show too, it could be a little nefarious looking, you know, like yeah. if somebody walked in without knowing and you've got a torch right. on a glass, they're just like, what you doing there, pal? And you're just like, oh, you know, exactly. <laughs> little chemistry. <laughs> yeah. And the cleanup is, Creme you know, you want to keep it clean. Um, so that process can be a little bit with the turp pen or any of those like coil type um, vaporizers. I mean, you know, there's some cleanup involved, but most of it is pretty much just like day to day. You want to clean it maybe every couple days, but... It's definitely a lot easier to use and definitely more convenient than having a whole banger water pipe situation for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely most interested in being able to fit that in there, to be honest. Yeah. Um, As I look at my water pipe. Yeah, definitely. If that's a 14 millimeter, I'm sure. What's your favorite type past this? So you can have sugars, you can have butters, you can have shatter. What else am I missing? Uh, yeah, you got shatter, butter. Um, I mean, you can mess with sands as well. Uh, they have different sauces, diamond sauces. That was happening. Yeah. What is a sauce, please? I guess a sauce is more of like a liquidy concentrate. Not crazy knowledgeable about exactly the process of getting the sauce, but I've known that it's you know a lot more terpy, definitely a lot more terpenes in the live sauces. Um, and I know sauces sometimes can have diamonds in them. Um, which I think are just concentrated THC, which possibly. Um, I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but my favorite, I would probably go with the butter or like a batter. I feel like they're kind of easy to use for sure. Um, I like the taste of them. I had some of Cresco's live butters. I thought they were amazing. Yeah, I don't know. I like those. I've also had a sauce before. I thought they were pretty nice. And like I said, diamonds can be in the sauce and I... I didn't get a diamonds in sauce, but I got a sauce and ended up having diamonds. And uh, I wasn't sure about diamonds at that point. And when I was looking in the sauce, I was like, what are these? It looked like glass. And I was scared that maybe the jar shattered in there. And I started breaking them. And I was like, you know what? Let me try. I'll take a dab of one. And it ended up, I was like, oh, this is a diamond. You know what I mean? Um, so like learning that felt super important, especially working at a dispensary and, you know, helped me recommend stuff. You know, for sure. That's awesome. I'm going to get in more into that. I have been looking a lot into carts. I like the carts. I like that we brought up liquid live resins because mm -hmm. those are the ones that I personally like to go for instead of like BHOs or some sort of other things like that. Just because I found that the flavor is just so much better. It's it's like craziness. Oh, yeah. And a lot of times the terps are a lot heavier on the liquid live resins. Um, and you really get that flavor from the actual flower. Um, you know, the true flavor of that strain for sure. 
I think I brought it up with Brother Johnny in the last episode, but just in case anybody forgot, the terpenes are organic compounds found in essential oils of the plants that naturally exist across different strains of medical marijuana. The unique collection of terpenes give each strain its distinct flavor in combination with a cannabinoid profile, and it determines the special effects that you'll feel. This has been absolutely my favorite part about learning all this is just looking and staring at jars of just like, what is this? What is that? Mine too. I spend a lot of time looking at jars, a lot of time looking at packaging, trying to find the perfect terp combination and ones that I like um, and ones that I could recommend to people how they would feel. Yeah. I love learning about terps. What is your favorite terp? I think it's a limonene. 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 Yeah. That's my favorite terpene too. Nice. I love to, I love limonene. Everything I've had that's been heavy in limonene has always been great. And I feel like it's always helped me and boosted my mood, really taken the edge off and just uplifted me. Yeah, I love limonene too. Usually we enter this section with a question, but now we're going to close out this section with a question, which is kind of funny of what we've been smoking on. I'm going to have you go through it if you don't mind. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um so right now we are smoking on the Princess Leia. It's from a uh, Terrapin. Um, yeah, it's my first time having this strain. Uh, it's a sativa. Looks like it's definitely dominant in the myrcene, caryophyllene, and a little bit of limonene there. Coming in at like twenty-two percent THCA. Maybe around like comes down to like nineteen THC. But uh, I liked it. I thought this was really good. I always wanted to try it. I thought it looks great. What do you think? Out of all of the ones that we had, yeah, this one is one of the ones that disappeared. So I was pretty happy that I snagged it when I snagged it. I really enjoy it too. I think it looks really good. Yeah. Yeah. It looks amazing. I had my eyes on that for a while, but I never picked it up, but I'm so glad I got to try it. Anybody out there who might not be as appreciative of the bud section as sometimes we get in other sections, aka people who hear more for the nerd talk who are just like, wait, Princess Leia? Check this out. These same people also have a rando Calrissian, a Cloud City, or is it just Mm. Cloud City? Cloud City. Okay. I thought there was a third word there. There was a Jawa cake. Yep. I heard they had a new strain called Space Buns. Oh um, man, <laughs> kind of involve. I think it's a cross of. Oh man, I I forget, but it involves the Princess Leia because of the buns. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they're getting kind of wonky, and they do have a lot of Star Wars references, which is very cool. It really um, is, and a lot of them are really good. Um, I've had a lot of good scu- uh, stuff from Terrapin. I think their fav- my favorite from them, has got to be the coffee ice cream, and we had that one. Um, it was amazing. Yeah, a lot of limony in that one, and I love it. So Yeah, yeah they do good. make non-Star Wars one, guys. I'm just saying. The Star Wars ones were the ones that I was just like, that's fucking funny, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, super cool. You know, always happy with Terrapin, for sure. With that, guys, we are going to close out of the bud section, and we can get into the bro section, where we're going to learn a little bit more about each other. So this bro section is a little bit more of a getting to know you type deal. And that's what we're going to do. Not only as you being a first time guest here on the show, but also being, you know, a new time friend here to me. So just uh, if you don't mind a little bio, a little bit of uh, growing up, a little bit of what you liked. I like to talk about nerdy stuff. So, you know, not even particular too nerdy stuff, but what you found nerdy growing up. I don't know, man. Shoot the shit a little bit more loosely here than we do in other sections. Okay. Um... So I was born in Las Vegas. Uh, I lived there until I was about 12. Um, growing up, I love skateboarding. 
that was a big thing for me. Um, as soon as I could really do anything on a skateboard, I was on one. Kind of fell in love with it for a while. Um, I still skate time and time again. Not as heavy anymore. But yeah, I love that. Through skateboarding, I guess I started messing around with like Jackass, the oh, Wild yeah. Boys. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, I love them. Their relationship with each other was always like something I wanted and, you know, kind of helped with my friendships. And I can't remember the times that I would do or at least try to attempt like Jackass stunts in the backyard or something, you know? It's so funny that you bring that up, and I'm just going to cut you off for a second there. So my friend Roy has been on the show, and I think if it wasn't our, it was our second episode where, you know, I always talk about stretching the superhero section topic, and that's when I stretched it the most. We have an entire Jackass episode mm. where he goes into the same kind of theory of that's something I wanted. And when my mother, who's a big fan of the show, hi, mom, was listening, she goes, I don't fucking get it. You know, she doesn't curse, but she was like, I don't get it. They threw stuff at each other. They were hurting. Like, what do you mean? And he was just like, it's that brother. It's just funny to kind of hear you echo that a little bit. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. Fuck yeah, dude. That's I mean, it's so funny. It was almost the same sentiment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like you said, I just love that like kind of brotherly love, whether they're like hurting each other or like throwing each other, you know, down sets of stairs or whatever they're doing. It was, they were always laughing no matter what, you know, it was never hard feelings. Um, it was always a good time. I've come to love, um, all of them, I guess. Steve-O, a huge inspiration for me. Yeah. I love that guy. Bam Margera. I mean, he's had his ups and downs, that's for sure. But, you know, I'm following his story, following Ryan Dunn's story, rest in peace. But, uh, yeah, I just love those dudes and they're all huge inspirations to me, especially Steve-O. I love Steve-O to this day. His podcast is amazing. He's the best dude. Always good vibes. Wild rides for anybody who wants to go out and listen to it. It is a really good podcast. We were just a little bit talking about claustrophobia in a different sense, but like, not that I would ever get it, but if he'd be like, do you want to come do my show? I'd be like, I don't know, man. It looks yeah. really tight in there. It you know, like that's tight. my number one thing of like right. not to be nervous and not to be like, don't fuck up in front of Steve-O, this man that you adore. It'd be like, yeah. I don't know. You sit awfully close to me with your socks and shoes off. I just, I don't <laughs> yeah. know if I could be that close to your feet, man. Right. It would definitely be a nervous situation <laughs> for me. I, it would be nerve wracking. Um, I would love every second of it, but it would be nerve wracking. That's for sure. Um, I also think Rab himself did one for quite some time. His own podcast. Yeah. Uh, I think I remember seeing that. Yeah. I don't know. I've seen episodes with, the Madreras, so like Phil and April. Oh, okay. He did one, I believe, with... It's blanking out of my head. Steve-O. Must uh-huh. have been Steve-O that were riding around. Cool. I learned that like he left not happy, Rab, himself. And oh, I He's got a that. fun story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, if you like them and like the podcasts and stuff, mm-hmm. at least look into the highlights. It's a pretty good one. Okay. Yeah, I, I will definitely. Um, there's a lot of nights where I spend just looking at old videos of jackass or like their relationships or even like home videos of theirs um, or like looking through the Brandon Novak story um, and like his, you know, him dealing with addiction. Um, Addiction definitely has like a soft spot for me. So seeing people overcome it, like Steve-O, like Brandon Novak getting clean, it's really inspiring, you know? And uh, yeah, I always love them. That's for sure. Did you also like CKY then? I love CKY. Fuck yeah. That's for sure. I love Viva La Bam. Viva La Bam was probably my favorite out of like those shows. Second to probably Wild Boys. I loved Wild Boys as a kid, seeing them go around the world, messing with animals. Um, yeah. Uh, Steve-O and uh, 
Chris Pontius, yep. I believe, of the Wild Boys. Uh, yeah, that show was amazing. But yeah, Viva La Bam. Um, I would watch, I would try to find all their episodes online um, and I would go through them, I would binge them. I loved all their relationships with each other. Bam, with his parents and, you know, all the dudes. Yeah. It took time for me to collect the DVDs when I was a kid. And then there was a time in my life, I don't know, you know, so I was watching that show. It was new to me when I was in the seventh grade. So I don't fucking know what year that is, but like maybe around first year of college, I was like, I don't know. You know, I've seen these all a bunch of times. When am I going to rewatch them? Got rid of them. 31 just the other day. And I've started to recollect them to rewatch them at will. And like that first season of Viva La Bam is fucking gold. It's, it's yeah. really, it's really funny. Yeah. I love it. Um, yeah. See, seeing Bam and his friends mess around, uh, it's it's the best. I love. I I don't want to say I love seeing people hurt themselves, but like seeing friends have fun, and like mess around with each other, and you know, like I said, throw each other down, you know, stair sets, fucking bringing a motorcycle to wake each other up, you know, putting a guitar amp to their head to wake them up, you know, stuff like that. Uh, I loved as a kid. I don't know why, but yeah, it's huge inspiration for sure. And then later on, you know, we were talking about a little bit too, jamming. You're always kind of tapping on stuff. And we were making a sweet beat the other day. That was fun. Oh, yeah. And then we got onto a conversation that led to a mind, in my opinion, mind blowing. I don't know about you. I guess somewhere statistically, it had to make sense that as musicians, I was a musician back in the day. You were a musician who traveled places. I said, mm -hmm. did you ever play New Jersey? And you're like, yeah. And I looked at you. I was like, You've played the fucking meat locker, haven't you? And you went, I have played the meat locker. Like that was mind blowing to me to think that we both were there at different times and just now we're here sitting talking, you know? Like what the fuck are the chances? But right. Yeah. Somewhere somebody can do the math. For sure. Yeah. I definitely had a time. Oh, I loved music growing up. Uh after I kind of stopped skateboarding for a while. Um, my friend asked me if I wanted to join a band. I never played really anything. I had an acoustic guitar that I'd mess around with. He's like, do you want to play bass? And I was like, I could learn bass maybe. Um, so I started playing bass in this pop punk band. Um, that eventually branched into me learning how to play guitar better, um, learning how to play other instruments better, um, starting new bands, breaking other bands up. The last one I was in, I guess we did a lot of touring, you know, Played New Jer Jersey, like you said. Went down to Atlanta, played a festival there. Um, went over to Chicago. Um, did a lot of touring. Had a lot of good times. And I definitely want to keep doing music. Um, it's always been like a, a love of mine for sure. I would agree, but I was always, you know, I believe as you could tell, getting to know me, getting to even talk on the podcast, space issues is a thing for me. Touring was something that I didn't like. It was It never, I didn't have appeal to it. Unless I was a fucking rock star, you know, like if I was like, I have a bus, I'd be like, all right, wherever, I'll go wherever you want to go. But knowing that I'd have to sleep a lot on shoulders and sitting up motions of vans and stuff like, no, that, that never had appeal. So like there was some appeal to it of going to new places, like playing was the best. You know, I would always be the asshole who would be like, I don't want to go there. Never out loud. I'd go, but like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I'd set up. Blah, blah, blah. And then it would start and it was like, ah, this was great. What a great yeah. idea. We should do this all the time. <laughs> and then you'd be at the meat locker, be over, look at your bass drum, look at the piece of shit fucking stairway and go, mm. I don't want to fucking do this again. You know, yeah. like <laughs> it's a lot of work. Um, and touring is, 
it's exhausting. I mean, you're in a van Gotta be. four to five hours at a time, driving to another city, playing that show, going to sleep, waking up, driving to another city, playing the show, going to sleep, waking up, driving to another city. Um, and that can be exhausting. Like you said, there's a lot of claustrophobic situations. Um, one time we had a van um, and there, there was, uh, I want to say five seats because we had a lot of gear. It was a smaller van and somebody had to stay. There was like this probably two to th- three foot section above all the gear in the back, kind of like built a, like a set of plywood on top um, that you could lay down. So somebody had to lay in that little space okay, throughout these I whole rides. Fuck. Um, so that's even worse than sitting bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's a little worse. I mean, sometimes you want to stretch your legs and you want to lay down, but it is very claustrophobic. So yeah, if you have any trouble with that or like being in long car, car rides, you know, taking six hour drives or driving for six hours. Yeah, it can be very exhausting, but it's very rewarding for sure. I I couldn't imagine. I literally couldn't. Like, I can and I can't. Because I would also want to be the driver, too, because I'm a nervous second passenger. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm, I'm like a shaky cat in life, dude. Like, you can easily fucking startle yeah. me. Right. It's weird. I, I guess I've had some bad times driving, I guess. Um, one time they let me drive. I don't drive a lot, probably for good reason. One time they let me drive. Uh, we were driving to, I think it was, I want to say Richmond, Virginia. Um, we were driving through the night. Um, they put me in charge of driving. Um, it was just me and the passenger. Uh, and you always got to have somebody staying up with you. Definitely long drives through the night. Um, everybody else had fallen asleep and I was like, Hey man, I'm really tired. You know, it was like really hitting. I was like, I'm really tired. dude. I don't know if I can do this anymore. <laughs> and he was like, Oh, all right, man. So then we pulled over at a rest stop and I like turn off the car and then I laid down and then I open my eyes and it's the morning. Everybody's still asleep. And then they wake up expecting to be in Richmond. (laughs) (laughs) But no, we made it 20 minutes down the highway. From where you left? From where we left. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. And everybody was super mad. And uh, I did not drive the rest of that tour. I feel that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that's a funny time. Just uh, kind of wrap up there. What's I know it's a hard on the spot, though, but like you talked about rewarding times and you have one that was just like the best. You know, what was the best on tour moment almost to simplify the question? Um, Best on tour moment. We played like I said, we played this festival in Atlanta, Georgia called Wrecking Ball. Playing that was super cool. I mean, there's a lot of bands that I adored as a kid that played that festival and I had just had this one moment, um, this band American football played. Um, I had this one moment where I was standing backstage and I was hearing them play the song Never Meant and one of my favorite songs. And I was like, man, this is a really cool moment. You know what I mean? Playing music brought me here and let me have this opportunity and be able to see one of my favorite bands play this cool song in front of like thousands of people. It was sweet. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm a motherfucking liar. Who is your favorite band to play with as well? My favorite bl- band yeah. to play with. Hmm. Favorite band to play with. It would probably be, uh, well, uh, the person that recorded our last album, uh, his name was Jake Clark. He had his own project under Jake Clark, um, and we played with him a lot. He recorded our split 
um, that we did with him. Um, we did a lot of touring with him. He actually played drums with us. We went down to Wrecking Ball. So playing with him and like hanging out with him was really cool. Um, he also played in this band, Super Heaven, um, formerly Daylight. Um, and I grew up loving that band. And then eventually we ended up, you know, meeting him and he recorded us and we hung out with him and it was like hanging out with a dude that I looked up to um, musically. Um, so that was super cool. Um, yeah. And meeting people and seeing people and being on the same level of bands I adored felt really cool. That's fucking awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Of course. Know? I always feel like I want to end this or start this section with, I think it's the king and I, like getting to know you. Because <laughs> in my head, it sounds super jaunty, but it all sounds a little lame. But that was a great time, man. Thanks so much for all that inside this bro section. We are going to close on out of this section, however, and enter into the superhero section where I think it might be the longest one, man. We got a lot of Jay and Silent Bob stuff to talk about. Nice. As this week, our superhero section involves Jay and Silent Bob and their comic book character counterparts, Bluntman and Chronic, in the movie Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. Snoogans. And on that note, we cue the music. So still a relatively new movie in 2019, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, rated R, comes in at 1 hour and 45 minutes. Stars, of course, Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes. It's got a super long cast list, but I guess if I had to go down to the next main character, it'd be Kevin Smith's kid, Carly Quinn, and their kind of gang. We will go through them as we meet them in the movie, and we kind of bullshit and discuss, but super fun movie. I mean, anybody who's listened to the show before knows. Huge Kevin Smith fan and waited for this movie, heard about it on all the podcasts. I was lucky enough that he four-walled distribution, meaning like he'd show up in Wilkes-Barre and be like, hey, come on out, kids, and watch the movie and do a Q&A all for like 50 bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then go on to Pittsburgh and then go on to blank and blank and did the road show. But for two days, you could see it through Fathom Events, which at movie theaters does like a bunch of fun events. You know, sometimes they'll put fights up on the big screen or they'll go and do anime and shit like that, like different things that usually you wouldn't find. And this is one of them for two nights. You can either, I guess, I think the first night was like get a poster and watch the movie. And the second night was like watch Strike Back into Reboot. Wow, that's super cool. Something like that. I think I have the poster, though. I went for the poster. Nice. Um, dude, I might even have one for you. Buried away deep deep somewhere, because I had to put a lot of stuff. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Um, but this was your first time seeing it just to get ready for this, man, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, I kind of... I, I feel like I remember it happening. Um, I haven't really been following any movies or anything like that. I always loved Jay and Silent Bob growing up, or the VSQ universe growing up. It's always been... One of my favorite movies was Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Um, and when you mentioned it, I was like, man, I missed it. And I was like, I have to go watch it. Um, and I thought that would be like a perfect topic for this podcast because I'm not crazy into the superhero game. I've been watching the new Marvel movies and I like them. But uh, I think this would be perfect because this was something I love growing up. Definitely. And there's two Batman in it. When you think about it, both mm. Ben Affleck and Val Kilmer make an appearance. Spoilers to anybody out there who hadn't seen it and <laughs> might have wanted to see it, but True. two Batman actors in it, that pretty much makes it a comic book movie. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I did want to just touch a little bit more. You kind of touched on a little bit about growing up with the VSQ universe and what was your first movie into it and just a little peppering throughout. 
it was I was super young when I saw those movies. I was super young when I saw a lot of movies. I probably saw a lot of movies way too way too young. Um, but I always love Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back. I think the first one I saw was Dogma um, from that universe. Um, but I love that one, Mall Rats. Yeah, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back was always my favorite. I always loved those characters the most, um, along with Clerks as well. But uh, yeah. I think growing up, I didn't like Clerks as much because it's a lot of talking. You know, when eventually she goes on to have sex with the dead guy, I was like, oh, that's fucked up. You know, yeah. like, but I didn't find some of the quippiness, laugh out loud funny as I do now. So mm-hmm. I was more attracted to more rats I saw pretty early just because right. of the slapstick. And it's much, much sillier. Right. Dogma I liked because I, I too, I saw a lot of stuff young. Mm-hmm. And that was one of them where I do remember thinking of just going like, holy shit. You mm-hmm. know, because at the time I was brought up religious and thought about it you know was kind of deep in it at the time of going to like after school or sunday school kind of like night school like it's called cyo but it wasn't it was cool if you will whatever but it was a conflicting kind of idea where i just remember going like interesting okay and i took note of it so that one was good chasing amy was kind of like clerks early Mm -hmm. on in learning because i'm talking about i saw these 10 or 11 years old right i was like it's a lot of talking there's a lot of sex talking so i find that interesting but at the end of the day rewatchability mm-hmm. but we did eventually kind of come to the same conclusion of jane silent bob strike back was my shit bro yeah, absolutely as a kid i mean that one hit the most all the jokes in it were super funny especially being like eight or nine years old and hearing all these poop and fart jokes i loved it and i'm not gonna lie i still do <laughs> oh yeah i still watch it just as often as i watch this new one if not twice as much I was lucky enough to see this on the big screen in a drive-in in 35 millimeter out at the Mahoning and Lehighton. Wow, that's awesome. It was pretty fucking cool. I very much love that movie. But now with all that kind of said of how much we like this, let's go into reboot. In this reboot, Kevin Smith always told the joke in a different podcast that he hosts that, you know, he's got a new original idea. In this movie, they've got to stop the rebooted movie from being made. Mm-hmm. And that is pretty much exactly what it is. It's a reboot that makes fun of reboots, remakes, and all that. Like it has its cake and eats it too. It's it's a real good time. What yeah. did you think about the meta ness of it? Um, I love that concept, and of course, Kevin Smith went pretty heavy into kind of shitting on himself the whole movie and shitting on um, the concept of a reboot at all or that aspect at all, um, which I loved and just like you know going with the same kind of ideas strikes back where they have to go to Hollywood and they have to stop this movie from getting made. Um, it was super nostalgic and seeing all these scenes where they're playing the same music that they did or like having sa- similar scenarios happening, um, but either with new characters or with old characters, it was all just super nostalgic and I loved it. Yeah. Speaking of new and old characters, the way that Smith talks about it is right before he made this, so I think it was a year to date before he started principal photography for this movie, he had a massive heart attack on stage doing a show called Silent But Deadly. Had a heart attack. His doctor said that he had some sort of blockage that is now, that is colloquially, that's not how you say it, but I think you understand, referred to as the Widowmaker. Like that's how many, if you have his blockage, 80 of 20 people die, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or 80%, sorry. Okay. 
anyway, it was a, it was a really tense situation is what he always built it up. And like, as he's going, he's talking about like, you know, I'm not going to go kicking and screaming. I did a lot of stuff, but if I make it like, do I really want my last movie to be yoga hosers? Which right. is a joke, but I kind of like that movie, whatever. <laughs> so he talks about being, and even says it in a meta situation in the movie of having the guiltiest cast. Right. How many people were in this movie and who was one of your favorite cameos? Um, Probably one of my favorite cameos. Uh, uh, my favorite one from that made an appearance that was in the old Strikes Back. Um. Probably the security guard. I mean, seeing that guy again was uh, super hilarious. Just remembering him in the old movie, I thought he was a really funny character. And then probably my favorite new age kind of cameo that they brought in, Fred Armisen, the character that he plays. He's driving like the quote unquote like Uber um, that they take to Hollywood. And he's a hilarious character. I love him. I love Portlandia. I thought that was really funny how they brought him in and intertwined him into that story and he makes tater tots for all of his guest riders right hater tots hater tots that's right you know <laughs> you know t- what do girls like tater tots and teen be- teen bop why don't i just make them together <laughs> that is just a really obscure weird role and yeah that is yeah. a good addition the one that we talked about before that in this movie i don't know if it was the same in the last one his name quote unquote is security dick mm. but we're talking about the guy he's played by Diedrich bader Okay. One of the best voices to kind of tie it into this show and the superhero section and to make sure it's even more of one. He's the third Batman. He voiced Batman in Batman the Brave and the Bold. They oh, did wow. this animation show where they kind of played into the 40s and 50s, kind of like weird campy. We can't show real violence. So we'll just have like somebody who can control you into being a musical, mm-hmm. like the music meister okay. show up and you'll sing and dance through an entire episode, wow. but also made it pretty cool. That's sweet. I didn't know that. That's amazing. So if you if you think about his voice and how deep it is down <laughs> yeah, here and stuff I like can, that. I can hear it now for sure. Definitely yeah. go ahead and look at that. But the other thing that I think of with his character is, you know, of course, if you remember the movie, Jay offers to blow Silent Bob and let the security guy watch as long as he lets him off the hook from sneaking onto the Miramax set. Mm-hmm. And what he says is just make it fast and sexy. And when you're done, you say, mm, what a lovely tea party. The making of Jay and Silent Bob is titled, mm, what a lovely tea party. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't know that. That's amazing. It is pretty funny. Yeah. Thank you for uh, sharing that with me. Wow. You got it. <laughs> he was one of, so my favorite past cameo to show up might be Loki from Dogma. Oh yeah. I love that one too. That little clip that they go to him. Um, and like learning his story and what happened after Dogma, that was that was really cool. For anybody that doesn't know, he used to be the angel of death. He got cast aside. His friend, quote unquote, Ben Affleck, tries to get him back into heaven. To do so, he's got to become human. When he was human, he felt bad at the end of the movie, pretty much is what I'm trying to jive at. And he dies. And you think because he was human and he didn't go through the arc, you think that he went to hell. In my opinion, when you watch that movie, you do the math of what was set up like. I've lived how many decades of thinking like, fuck, Matt Damon Loki is in hell. Mm -hmm. No, we find out in this movie. No, he doesn't. He gets shipped somewhere else. I don't think it was Wisconsin again, was it? Uh, He said that God dropped him in the Mediterranean Sea. Um, And I forgot he got picked up by somebody there. But yeah, 
He goes on to make a bunch of Born references about how he was quote unquote born again, which is then a reference to his Born series, like the Born Identity and stuff like that. Right. Like, which is again funny, but I, I like where they took it, to be honest. And I was happy yeah, to know, like, oh shit, cool, he's not in hell. Yeah. Which then makes me wonder is Bartleby in hell? Yeah. I mean I, his head exploded. Uh I mean God took him out personally. Yeah. You know, I can only imagine that he is just got blown out of existence. Yep. Um Oh, all together. No afterlife <laughs> at all. You're just done. So yeah, I, I can only imagine. <clears throat> Fucking I. And then my new favorite one, I really liked that Chris Hemsworth one that he played himself in the Chronic Con, which is their version of a Chronic, a Comic Con, excuse me. Yeah. It's a weird one because he's this weird informational hologram that doesn't make much sense, but it fits in with a previous conversation about how Millie and jihad want to have sex with him mm-hmm. and i love those jokes where it's like where they're talking about like taking his his member in their hands just like put it in my hand odin's son see if i'm worthy <laughs> like that joke that's funny it's like oh right. i'd let him have sex with me until i would thor and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that he shows up later is like i get it but right also weird hologram fucking yeah drop you know what i mean didn't yeah. see it coming absolutely did not see it coming but i thought it was funny I wonder if it was just like a some favor that Kevin Smith for ha- had for him, possible. Um, I'm telling you, it's because he almost died. He cashed in every chip he had. He was just yeah. like, "Hey, I, 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 somewhere there's a story in a Hollywood Babylon that I'm forgetting, but I think it had something to do with the fact that one time he was on a show, he being Chris Hemsworth, and somebody asked him about knowing something and basically Chris Hemsworth response was, well, really I just listened to Kevin Smith podcast and that helps me like sound smart to the fans or something in and around those lines is what I think is coming to mind. But yeah, sometimes I, I'm, I'm not that good. I, I, I could <laughs> be wrong. I could have made that up. I don't know. True. True. And yeah. And Kevin Smith does mention in the movie that he's, that he had a heart attack and that his friends felt guilty and that, that that's why they were in this movie, um, which was, probably perfect for the reboot because that's exactly what it seemed like um but it's still nice you know that goes into the next talking point that i wanted to talk about so like what we're talking about at the end here with the chronicon and with kevin smith saying himself the movie revolves around them finding out that there's going to be a reboot because they get sued for their likeness once again which is going to start a whole separate conversation fuck that courtroom scene is one of the best we may get Brandon St. Randy back. Maybe not a name, but Justin Long comes back as their lawyer, who may also be the same guy who attended the high school reunion of Zach and Mary. Yeah. Guilty. Yeah, it, it was cool to see him. Uh, they didn't really say that it was him. I guess Kevin Smith doesn't technically own that character, um, which I get, but it was still cool to see him pretty much. That was his, his exact character, for sure. It was no doubt about it. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Craig Robinson, who is the playing the judge, is also a fun one. And then the bailiff was Joe Mangliello. So to tie that once again, as a Batman person, he played Deathstroke. Mm. Oh, dude, I showed you that comic book. That's also the first appearance of that guy. Boom, we're tying stuff all together. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah right? Callback. And just one more. The the lady bailiff, the, the first bailiff who was leading them in, if you remember, mm. that's Jordan Monsanto. That's actually Jay's wife. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's cool. Wow. Anyway, that was a long way of getting around them, having to get to Hollywood. They meet up in the middle of nowhere after Fred Ar- Armisen. Fred Armisen. Thank you. Yeah. They're out of movies, and they, they see justice. 
Justice, mm-hmm. who being from the first one, like I talked about, she must have got out of jail. Now she's a weather person. I'm trying to go, not beat for beat, sorry. They somehow get Millennium, and they figure out they all have to go to what this thing is. This is Chronic Con is what they have to head to. Mm-hmm. This being a convention centered around the Jason Biggs slash James Vanderbeek movie that was attempted to be stopped in Strikes Back, all because their friend, Shang Yu, wants to see them. They are traveling there to stop the production. Right. Kevin Smith is making the Blunt Man and Chronic movie, but he's also making this movie. That's what I'm trying to get to is at the very end, the meta-ness of that scene and what you just thought of like the finale of like Silent Bob playing Kevin Smith almost. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, and then having, you know, there's a point where John- Silent Bob pretends to be kevin smith because of course he looks exactly like him because they are the same person um yeah i thought that was super funny and of course kevin smith roasting himself the whole way um it was great and even his daughter roasting him a little bit (laughs) yeah that was a good part of it how did you feel about her um i liked her character i not it wasn't until after the movie and i did some googling stuff that i even knew that was her daughter i wasn't crazy into following the kevin smith saga after i guess after I was like a teenager, I got into other stuff. I wasn't that crazy into Kevin Smith. But yeah, I thought her character was really cool. I thought the relationship that was built with Jay, I thought that was pretty cool. There were some heart-tugging moments. Um, that kind of got me a little bit, um, especially one from Jay uh, where he kind of realizes that he kind of has been a piece of shit his whole life. And then he kind of says that. Um, and like seeing Jay... Uh, kind of talk bad about himself because um we talked about this before like jay always he thinks he's like hot shit he thinks he's everything and then seeing him like get brought down near down to earth and uh you know it was really cool and it, it definitely tugged in my heart a little bit yeah that's the scene where they're in the van and then once again it's my favorite fred armison comes out of nowhere and he jumps on top and he's like <laughs> Hater tots filled with hate, <laughs> leaving me, getting me arrested for your grass, man. And he's throwing tater tots at them, and eventually yeah. Silent Bob catches one. Yeah, that is, super cool. dude. You're right, man. Now that I think about it, the, he does have some of the best fucking lines in <laughs> yeah. the entire movie. That's super cool. There's a point where they uh, they get him high, um, and then he gets caught by the cops, and that's how they they leave him. And then he ends up coming back with the hater tots because they um, they ended up writing a review on his. Uh, is like kind of quote unquote Uber app kind of deal. I forget what they called it in there. Ride me now. Ride me now <laughs> was their Uber representation or whatever. Um, they left a bad review, kind of similar to um, the the comment they made on the poop shoot website in yeah. Strikes Back, where it's pretty much word for word. You know, it's all you motherfuckers tone, are gonna yeah. pay. <laughs> you are the ones who are the ass leaders. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's fucking uh, funny. So they left that review, and then Fred Armisen's character did not like that. He ended up coming back with the hater tots, and then of course Millennium came in and choked him out, and they left. So, yeah. Which also leads to one more sorry side story of another weird appearance slash wow in a Kevin Smith movie. I didn't expect to see that of a clan rally. Yeah. Led by Chris Jericho. Now, they do get literally shit on, and they are made fun of, but I just never thought before seeing this movie in my day, like, oh, yeah, Kevin will do a scene with a bunch of Klansmen. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Definitely wasn't expecting it. I thought it was amazing how much they shit on them. 
literally shit on them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I thought that scene was pretty funny. It is the quote unquote, what's the word? The standard silent Bob long speech almost, you know, the one that you're the the chasing Amy or the, I think not, sir, you were paying us likeness rights, you know, like that whole thing with Banky. It was almost that, you know, where he he lifts a speech from something. I don't know what it is, but he's like, I'm here for Mitch and Murray. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I looked up at the time what it was. I'm not going to look it up now, but he lifts it from something, has that long speech and that I like. And then pulling by the van that they have a porter potty, they literally whip shit all over them. Right. And as they're leaving, Millennium's giving the finger shouting, and now who's stupid, you dirty sheep fucker? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which Jay screamed at Sean William Scott as he right. threw him out of the van. And Exactly. Like you were talking about in terms of echoing and repeating and rebooting. I mean, literally, you know what he said by taking the same idea and adding youth and diversity to it. <laughs> yeah. Is what he did, and what a brilliant way to shit on it, but also... It was fun. Yeah, it was really fun. And like loving uh, Strikes Back so much and then having those scenes happen again, but in different ways and in kind of a different story and with new characters. Um, it was just amazing to watch and it brought me back a lot. And finally, uh, one thing that I asked you as we were talking about it, kind of preparing for this was like, did you stay for the credits? And you had not. Mm-hmm. So I did want to talk about, you know, the end scene, like you were talking about touching Millie Harley Quinn moments of like, I love that end scene where during this whole movie, they talk about, I just want to have coffee with my dad and talk about dad stuff. And that's how they end the movie. And he kind of says something to the effect of like, you're ready, kid. And she goes, do it, dad. And like, that's the part where I'm just like, (gasps) you know, and then he says the really cool thing of like, find a guy who's always got your back, even if he's at your side and touching moments. But then it goes into the final scenes that kind of end like gumball rally of just like all of them having fun. It's almost like the end of Strikes Back of, you know, the names coming up and the song. Have you ever heard that song? Do you know who MC Chris is? Uh, no. We can listen to it because it's actually pretty fun. You should probably at least once. He also yeah. did in Zach and Mary. He's also famous for Fets Vets. Oh, uh, backpacks, okay. got jets, yeah, like yeah. Boba, the Fett. Right, okay. That's the same guy who also has been commissioned by Kevin. He does the intro to Smodcast, the original podcast oh. put on by Kevin Smith, which is also played in this of like, everybody spark a spliff for that legend Kevin Smith. Ba-ba-butch, 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 if you remember. Anyway, really cool. it's one of my favorite songs. It's called Drinking Blunts. And <laughs> it goes Drinking Blunts, Smoking 40, Smoking 40, Drinking Blunts. That's what this kid does for fun. Pour some smoke into that cup. <laughs> and then, you know, there's lots of other words, but it's just mad fun. Yes. And you literally, in my opinion, you can't listen to it and not bounce. And all these people are having fun. And look at all these names. And like the credits actually end up being some of the best parts of the movie. No, they do. They do for sure. Um, one of them being. They kind of meet up at the Comic Con with um, the 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 kids that they sold were selling weed to um, in Strikes Back. Um, they end up coming back um, and saying the song back to them because apparently now they're big um, in the weed or the recreational weed game. Um, so they end up saying the song back. Uh, Two hundred bucks, little man. Put that shit in my hand because <laughs> uh, you know weed prices are a little more nowadays. Yeah, much more than fifteen. Yeah, much more than fifteen bucks. That's for sure. But maybe see, I can get you a gram for eighteen if you yeah. got some coupons. Something. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, seeing those characters again and then they're all grown up. It, it was just so cool. Yeah. Super good. And then it ends with, in my opinion, the best joke maybe ever. 
maybe mm. fucking ever, man. <laughs> so we were talking about, you know, the do it deadline. This is taking place once again in front of the quick stop. It's where we started the movie. And Dante, played by the wonderful Brian O'Halloran, who was actually up in Montage. I met him like a little bit ago. Wow. Very super nice guy. That's awesome. Yeah, signed shit for me, took pictures, and just like afterwards, I think I told you, it's almost similar to the time I met Kevin, where like, other time I've met people, they've kind of been like, all right, thanks, and then they go talk to somebody who's mm-hmm. with them, like, quote unquote, their people, right. whereas Brian was just like, so what are you doing tonight? And I was just like, <laughs> oh, nothing, Brian, what are, what are you doing tonight? <laughs> oh, that's super cool. He was super cool. But anyway, Dante, like always, showing up for work, now assumingly after Clerks 2, so the original Quick Stop burned down, this is the new one Mm -hmm. that he and Randall now own and work together. There's fucking gum jammed in the locks, just like in the first movie. Right. And Jay says to Millie, for the last 30 years, me and Silent Bob have been coming here and putting gum in the locks. (laughs) I lost my shit. What do you think, man? I did too. Such a crazy reveal. Um, Like most of the time, most of those movies that start with, uh, you know, Dante going in, trying those locks and they're not working, you know, or it was just classic that those doors were always closed. I remember you saying something about why they were closed. I forget. Because when he was making the movie, he was really working there as well. Like he wasn't quote unquote making, like he was a super duper indie and he made an agreement with these people of like, can we make a movie here after hours? So they still had to close and lock up. So the shutters had to come down. Mm-hmm. So in the movie, they say that they're blocked. So this way, when we're inside, we can't see that it's nighttime out because then it would ruin the illusion that he's there at six in the morning, working the morning shift at a morning convenience store kind of shit. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then learning that it was just Jalen Saint Bob the whole fucking time. Yep. They were putting, gu- they were the ones putting gum in the locks. Fucking, fucking with savages and in this town. Fuck. <laughs> yes, dude. I love that. Uh, Cause yeah. then we talked about that was the catalyst that made him have to make a sign. And then like, what smells like shoe polish, right? You know, that running gag throughout the movie, all these things would have been lost without yeah. these two guys coming and putting locks in the door before they fucking sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was super cool, and like I lost my shit. I was, uh, I kind of missed it the first time when I watched the movie. I kind of just skipped the credits, and but you told me watch the credits, so I went back and I watched them. And I was in my car at break, and I was just freaking out. It was so funny to hear that. <laughs> yeah, Kevin is a huge Marvel fan, so I think that that was also his little homage of just like having a few mid credit scenes and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was smart. It was like good. So sure. overall, you know, usually here I do what I call school grades, because I don't know what else to call it, so an A to an F, of how you felt about this, not in terms of a movie, but where it fits in your Askewniverse love. Where it fits in my Askewniverse love? Um, I would put it I would put it as an A. I loved it. If it was the last one in that universe, I would be fine. I mean, I want Clerks 3, and that's, of course, going to happen, but... Um, if that was the last Jane Silent Bob movie ever, I'd be perfectly fine with that. I thought that was a nice cap to everything. Yeah, I'd give it an A, for sure. Totally have to agree. There was a lot of hype leading up to this. Uh, I just remember sitting there and just being like, okay. Like the first time, almost nervous, because I was worried I wouldn't like it almost in a sense, because he builds it up too, and he's always somebody who, in my opinion, is smart enough to under-promise and over-deliver. 
you know, because yeah. he'll kind of be like, oh, this movie, it's not going to, blah, 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 it might not be, or, you know, I love it a lot, but I loved Yoga Hosers because a lot of people shat on Yoga Hosers. Mm. If you want to watch that, let me know. Bad shit, weird, crazy. Like, it's yeah. really weird. Never seen it, but I would, I would like to, for but, sure. But, like, also a little immature. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's got a weird, like, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about that in another time. I can <laughs> okay. send you home with the disc if you want. Hey, I'd be open to it. The other thing I was thinking of, too, sorry to keep dragging this out, is did you know there was a Clerks cartoon? I love the Clerks cartoon. Oh, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't, yeah, there was one or two, what was it today? There was a joke I wanted to make, and I was like, no. Fuck, I'll have to think of it another time. <laughs> Super good though, only like yeah. six episodes. Right. No, I love the Kirk's cartoon. I mean, it was super cool. I, remember, I used to watch that as a kid. Yeah, with all the characters in it, but a little more extreme because they can take it a little further with the cartoon. But I like that one. Nice. Well, man, I gotta say thank you. You know, I say it at the end all the time, but it doesn't mean that I don't mean it, like, because I really do. Time is very infinite for all of us. You know, you spent a long day at work. And then you came here for a very long time. You know, you spent a lot of time. Thank you very much for spending this time here with me. I really, really, truly mean it. Thank you very much. Of course. I'm, I was happy to be here. Um, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Yeah, I honestly truly enjoyed it. I feel like in every section I thought of at least one or two more things that we could talk about. So right. maybe coming back for a sequel episode and getting you on a rotation with everybody else. You know, first time guests usually become rotating guests. So. Yeah. Maybe we can keep that going. That'd be fun. Absolutely. Thank you again. My name's been Nick James. I've been joined by the wonderful Andrew. This has been Buds, Bros, and Superheroes, and we are out of here. Later, guys.